Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Spotcast, Season 4, Episode 51. My name is Timitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm back in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. I also am back in my native Mississauga, Ontario. Oh, I back in Toronto, but okay, all right. And Jaime, are you back in Seattle? <laughs> yes, I am. All right, Jaime Lopez Jr., back in Seattle. Now you say it. How's it going? <laughs> and we don't want to we don't want to you know upset Break precedent and stuff yeah. you can't you can't start an episode without that that's just not right no you can't that's why i had to insist that we had it all righty so fact check from two weeks ago i think uh wrong foo who wasn't we wasn't credited initially when we first saw the episode but she has since been added to imdb wrong foo plays jenna mitchell who we didn't know the name of she was the uh i believe she was the leader of the the uh crimson guard as well although we didn't we didn't no, i don't think we knew her name right so she sits next to ortega on the bridge uh on i guess she's the uh navigator i guess i don't know so yeah um yeah there you go i just, re- just read my notes and i just said exactly what i put in my note in not so many words and so we'll dig into the headlines and we'll head over to jaime lopez jr for some star trek news yeah we have an actual date now for Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3. It's coming to the interwebs and cable and etc. wherever is appropriate for your country on August 25th. So there was also a, a trailer. Did you not see it? I don't think I linked it here. But yeah, they, they came out with a couple different yeah. uh, tweets. I got the one with the uh, the movie poster style of image. There was another yeah, one the, with the... the Search for Spock style uh, image? Yeah, yeah. And the other one, uh, I don't think I have it linked here. She gives a little bit of the um, presumably first episode with uh, like a Chateau Picard or Chateau uh, Boimler. Yeah, making it making the grapes. Yeah, <laughs> Chateau Boim. 
They were yeah, making raisins, I think. Right? It wasn't even grapes. Yes, right. Like, he doesn't. He doesn't make grapes. He makes raisins. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love this As show. You do. I yeah, can't wait for it do. to come back. Cool. I'm going over to Jonathan for them Emmy noms. Yeah, we got the uh, the nominations for the Primetime Emmy Awards earlier this week. And unlike last year, we got some pleasant surprises as far as the nominations for sci-fi and fantasy and genre shows. This batch was not as good for the uh, the fans of of those things. Leading the way in, uh, in our world would be Stranger Things, which did get 13 nominations, uh, although none in the acting category. The did get a nomination for best drama series which is cool that's nice that's good good uh, recognition uh but other than that it was it was pretty dire um last year obviously we got some some recognition with the boys being nominated for best drama that uh, that didn't happen again this time i don't know if it was just the timing issue with when the season came out but uh no sci-fi shows for best actor best actress uh for any in any of the drama categories any of the comedies categories it was pretty sparse i mean the only thing that could qualify is best comedy series uh, what we do in the shadows which is is you know definitely qualifies as a fantasy show uh got a nomination but yeah this this year not much there um there was a little sort of outcry from a few different areas of the uh, of the nerdverse with people saying well hey you know this this season of stranger things had a really good performance from Millie Bobby Brown another one from Sadie Sink uh there was people saying hey how is it possible that uh, that Patrick Stewart has never been nominated for his performances in any of the the shows he's done including obviously Star Trek Picard nothing there so yeah it was uh it was pretty grim. It's pretty grim. Were you guys surprised yeah. at all by any well, of the nominations? I am seeing Severance here. Like Severance is technically a sci-fi. I don't know if you guys haven't seen it, but I would definitely throw it there. There you go. Uh, yeah. I did uh, want to shout out that the uh, one of the contenders for best television movie was Chippendale Rescue Rangers, which was brought up by our good friend Jaime Lopez Jr. What, you mean Paw Patrol was slighted again? Well, sorry, that was a real movie in the theaters. This was a television movie, the Chippendale Rescue Rangers from Disney+. Oh, Plus. Okay. Right, but yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. Tim, Tim, listen to the. Um, this is like you know the World Cup is coming up pretty soon. Like there's always a sort of murderers row group, the group of death of like oh no, the only two come out of this group, and there's three, sometimes four, legitimate contenders. And then because you've overloaded one of those by random chance, there's always a very easy group where like. Yeah, nobody really deserves to come out of this group, <laughs> and and uh, except maybe like one team. And here in best television movie are Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Ray Donovan the movie, <laughs> Reno Nine One One: The Hunt for QAnon, The Survivor, and Zoe's Extraordinary Christmas. All of these are, I'm sure, wonderful topics, but really the only one that would have been reduced in theaters in like a normal couple of years is probably Chippendale Rescue Rangers. The other ones. Maybe, you know, the who knows, cult classic, you know, maybe some beloved things here, but this wasn't the, uh, it wasn't exactly a fair category, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think that, I think that, uh, you know, an American coaching a a British football team is pretty, pretty much science fiction. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Um, did either of you watch Squid Game? Would that qualify? Squid Game got fourteen nominations. I think that should be that should be a yeah. I'm not, I don't think I want to watch that one, but I, I think that would be a sci-fi. That's sort of a hunter or what do you call it? Um, 
Hunter Games. What's that? Hunger, Hunger Games. Games. Yeah, yeah. Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's kind of that mm. kind of style of show, right? Yep. Yeah. So it, yeah. Uh, it, it could, you know, it, it, it's not too sci-fi-y, but there's enough stuff that kind of needs some pretty good tech to work. Uh, since it's, I mean, I know it's a Korean uh, show, but it's kind of like live action Japanese anime. So that always tends to sort of blend a little bit of the sort of magical realism aspect into even sort of normal everyday things. So it doesn't strike me as sci-fi like Star Trek Picard, but it probably warrants being in there if things like Severance are going to be in there. Yeah. Also, I was a little surprised, and I guess I'm completely off on when the um, the nomination timeframes work for, like, the Golden Globes, the Emmys, and other sort of awards. I kept seeing Dope Sick and thinking, what? That's last year's stuff. How how does this qualify? Wouldn't that have been the previous cycle? And no, I guess that was a different award show. Yeah, it's it's unclear. I must admit, I, I didn't look it up to sort of see what the, the time frame is. It's interesting, though, because... Stranger Things is nominated, and Stranger Things, obviously, that was premiered in June, so it must include up until then, so that's a pretty big window. Yeah, and well, also, too, you don't know that the reviewers, you also don't know that the reviewers don't get copies of these things before they go live, right? So, I mean, if, if something was to be nominated, they probably they might have got a copy of Stranger Things ahead of um, its release, right? Don't you think? Uh, to see that? it, yes. Uh, the... <laughs> Just the, the the qualification time frame is the thing that was confusing yeah. me. October to June is is kind of a weird one, but maybe they don't go by release. To your point, Tim, maybe it's like, well, everybody had it in like April, so that was the time. Did um, have either of you caught up with Stranger Things? Have you watched the the most recent I watched season? The first episode yesterday, actually. Oh, okay. I mean, are you yeah. still? All up to date, and for anybody who hasn't watched, each episode is at least 115 minutes, which yeah. the final episode being two and a half hours, so or close to two and a half hours, I guess it's uh, it's like a movie. <laughs> so pre- yeah. Prepare yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that was definitely a buzz this week was, uh, and I, you and I both obviously have made watch the whole thing, but Sadie Sink, who plays Max, got a lot of uh, online. Hey, how the heck did she not get a nomination? I, I honestly, I, there was a time uh, midway through that season, I thought this she's doing like that the red red haired girl the red haired girl yeah so okay, yeah, yeah she was yeah. fantastic in this season and so was millie bobby they were both really really good and um yeah i could see why people might be a little little miffed at that although again it's hard to it's hard to stack these things up again obviously you know the people who vote on this theoretically are supposed to have watched all this i can't admit that i can admit that i have not watched half of the stuff that was nominated so it's hard to say this person's better than that person and everything else i think these competition yeah. things are a little weird anyways but um well i mean it's too broad right i mean the the range of nominations or people that co- uh, shows that are nominated i mean like yeah i mean half of the comedies i haven't watched starting like that right so by the way just coming back to stranger things so having just watched one episode and and without spoiling too much for me you know the dude with the long hair at the very beginning that i guess he's like the dungeon master yeah 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 of the what do they call the wild wolves or something like that uh, the, um, the hellfire club hellfire yeah no he's he's a really good actor i'm surprised like you know just the range of emotions he he can sort of i don't know if he sticks around in the entire thing or whatever but you know I, this is if you want to go back to the very first episode the one where the, the cheerleader levitates in his yeah, yeah. in his thing and mm-hmm. um, um, blows up or whatever but 
I'll, I'll blow you, I'll blow your hair back even further, Tim. He's also is British he, in real life. But, yeah, but uh, yeah, like, have we seen him before somewhere? Like, is he? Cause I hadn't, I didn't check him out on IMDb at all. But I just, I just noticed that he was like, you know, he stood out in my mind as as one of the the lead actors on that show or potential, right? Yeah, no, he was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm um, sorry. His name is Joseph Quinn, and I'm just looking through his IMDb right now. I don't. Uh, he was on Game of Thrones, but I don't know what part yeah. he played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on Stranger Things, he's Eddie, and he's uh, he's a fun character. Yeah, he's great. He's a lot of fun. I figured he'd have you, Tim. He's got like you know the the long hair, the yeah. the, the, the <laughs> I don't the, have uh, long hair anymore. The yeah. jean jacket, you know. The long hair's gone. Yep. You're one of them squares now, man. He got vetoed. Well, she was telling me that it, the way it was, that I looked old. And I I think I look old now without the long hair. But whatever, <laughs> what do I know? Yep. Yeah, well, yeah. Ten years ago, I didn't have long hair either. So there you go. And for some people, the hair grows back, I'm told. It, well, it does grow back. But yeah, I think the, the, top, the top of my head is, that's, I think that, pour one out. Pour yeah. one out. <laughs> you and me both, my friend. <laughs> I'm catching up to your, what, uh, 20-year-old self? Yes, yes. At 20, I decided to take it off, and I just left it off, and now that's good because it wouldn't come back if I wanted it to. All right. Uh, let's get back to the show. Oh, this is me. Um, yeah, so Resident Alien uh, Season 2 Part 2 has, an, has a date now as well, August 10th. Um, still a strange show, still an interesting show. Um, I'm really enjoying it. The, the, uh, I think the Nathan Fillion, um, if I, I, should I spoil this? I don't know if I spoil this or not. But no spoilers. Nathan, okay, all right then. Yeah, just you know, I don't know who they're going to bring back from Firefly now. That's all I got to say. <laughs> maybe, maybe I just spoiled it. But yeah, looking forward to that show. It's a it's a good show. It's a good uh, you know Alan Tudyk is a really good actor and and it's like it's like the Lucy show. He keeps getting himself into trouble and you can you just see him going down these paths and you're like oh my god no don't do that and then he does it anyway right so. Interesting, interesting sort of uh, like you know he's basically an alien here who's sent to destroy Earth and, and his plan gets he gets spoiled a lot. Very, very interesting. It's it sort of it reminds me a bit of doesn't Gravity Falls take place somewhere in like Oregon, middle of huh? Oregon, Oregon. Yeah, it's it's somewhere like that. It's kind of Colorado-ish, you know, kind of place. But uh, yeah, interesting, interesting part of the part of America to portray in these things, but. There was another show like like that that uh, was on for a season and, and died a horrible death. Another sort of sci-fi show a while back. All right. Well, speaking of Stranger Things. Yeah, we also got news this week that Stranger Things is getting a, a spinoff and a stage play. So uh, the Duffer Brothers, Matt and Ross, have announced that they are going to do a spinoff series uh, under their new deal with Netflix that is uh, part of their under their production company uh, based on an, an original idea, apparently not directly connected to uh, the, uh, the stuff that's going on in Hawking. So we'll... It'd be interesting to see how they try and keep Stranger Things alive. You had to imagine that Netflix, now knowing there's only one more season of Stranger Things, and obviously it's one of the biggest uh, enticements for people to join the service and subscribe, uh, you had to figure that they were going to be really keen to find a way to keep that world alive in some way, even though obviously they're, they're no, there's no way they could afford to keep that group of young actors together. <laughs> They'll have to do something else. But yeah, so they're doing that. And then, yeah, they also announced that they're going to do a... Uh, 
uh, a stage play of, of uh, I'm just looking for the details. I didn't really say much about it, but um, yeah, a stage version of Stranger Things. Because sure, because money. Because money. All right. Apparently, uh, Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio will reprise their roles as uh, Daredevil and Kingpin, respectively, in the Echo series on Disney+, Plus, continuing the, the storyline that we saw through, through Hawkeye. So, kind of cool to see that, you know, kind of makes the, the whole folding in of the Netflix Marvel Universe characters in pretty nice. Keep that, uh, keep that, uh, that not sameness is the wrong thing, uh, tradition. What's the word I'm looking for here? Sequence? Yeah, the, the thread, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it's not surprising, I suppose. I imagine that Vincent D'Onofrio would make sense because they would probably do like flashbacks. And Charlie Cox also makes sense since he's obviously returned as Matt Murdock in Spider-Man Far From Home. Those two are not surprising. I guess it'll be interesting to see if we see any more uh, Daredevil supporting characters or any more from the Marvel, Netflix, Dark Universe stuff creep into this. It would be... Uh, I like that they announced it, but at the same time, like, come on, wouldn't it have killed you to have a few surprises in there? The problem is now with all social media and filming on the streets and everything else, it's impossible to keep a a really good secret. But um, yeah, I think, I think, sweet, I'm excited for this, but I also want another Daredevil series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Still you, Jaime. Yeah. So coming August 12th is a Netflix movie called Day Shift. Starring uh, Jamie Foxx and Snoop Dogg, where they are apparently are um, regular schmoes whose uh, whose day job is to take out vampires. They're uh, I mean it, it's kind of like uh, like a blue collar kind of job, you know, mm-hmm. taking out the roaches sort of thing, uh, but, <laughs> but it's way way more dangerous. <laughs> uh, you guys, have any thoughts here on? Uh, what you saw from the trailer because the trailer is about all I know about it. If if they don't find a s- spot to sneak in uh, Wesley Snipes in a cameo, I think they really have failed. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it looks funny. I I don't know. I, I don't uh, feel like it, the vampire thing is just kind of played out, but again, funny. Two funny actors, two good actors. We'll see. Yeah. True. They really need it, like ADR in there somewhere. Like it's Morbin time, just to throw some sto- <laughs> throw some stones at Sony. Yeah. <laughs> as an aside, I've I've not seen Thor: Love and Thunder, but there's just so many fake videos. I, I assume they're fake. I've not watched them because I don't want to spoil myself. There's so many fake videos on YouTube of like crowd reaction to it's Thorbin time, which yeah. <laughs> just continues the, <laughs> the chain there. Speaking of Power Rangers, Jaime. You know, I apologize in advance because, you know, I was so giddy by seeing this that I missed a critical sentence in between two uh, lovely images. Um, but I'll talk about it anyways and then and then let you guys down slowly. So Hasbro is apparently doing 3D printing stuff and they will put your face, your particular face, 3D scanned onto a whole bunch of different figures. You can do a Power Ranger, you do, you know, Mandalorian Warrior, it could be Spider-Man mm-hmm. or Iron Man, you could be, um, you know, Black Panther, Re- Rebel Princess, which is, you know, just Leia, you know, uh, all sorts <laughs> of cool stuff there. 
Uh, it's not exactly cheap for, you know, what you would normally be paying for these figures, but it's not exactly expensive either, given that it's a one-of-a-kind thing, right? So for 60 bucks, you too could have one of these if you're in the United States. So I apologize for not noticing that statement there. I blame the I blame the writer for putting that between the the animated GIF of the Power Rangers and then like the Ghostbusters. I was like, oh, cool! And I just completely whiffed on the well. Anyone in the United States that is limited <laughs> to the U.S. with no current plans to expand at this time. I may for Christmas. What I'd like is a <laughs> is a Mandalorian <laughs> yeah. with my face on it. <laughs> yeah, I I wonder how this will work because it, I was thinking about like, oh, okay, so. These guys would probably have to switch their app store to the American app store, scan their face with whatever that Hasbro app is, and then, you know, let me log in as you or something in this Hasbro account from here <laughs> and then yeah. order it to my place. And then I send that over via, you know, donkey or something to get over <laughs> on the cheapest possible way. So this $60 item doesn't become 300 you know, just Yeah, that's shipping. the problem. Yeah. I was gonna say you could you can make yourself like the the Luke Skywalker stormtrooper with the helmet on, then you take it off. It turns out it's you, right? Sort of thing. Well, they've done that with a few different ones because they did a they did a George Lucas as a stormtrooper where the yeah. helmet on doesn't look like anything, and they did a um, uh, John Favreau one recently that was him as Paz Vizsla, right? Because he that's who he yeah. voiced yeah. on on uh, Clone Wars. So yeah, yeah. Cool. And Tim, you in particular might want to watch the the YouTube video that's in the in the article. The Hasbro was working with Form Labs, and they talk about some of the challenges they went through in terms of, you know, 3D printing being, you know, good enough quality to do at scale with all of these various different textures and etc. So I feel like that's kind of up your alley for that part, uh, that angle yeah. of the story. Yeah, the the, the liquid based um, um, 3D printers seem to be much more, much cleaner, like in terms of that kind of these kind of faces, you know, like. It's funny because there, there's a service here, um, like there's like a printing company. It might be called a printing company that um, you can go in and they'll scan your scan your body and and they'll give you back a painted character of yourself. Right before I sold all my hockey equipment, I was thinking about putting it all on and getting getting one made of myself, but I never got around to doing it. But yeah, it's interesting. But you're right; it's up my alley. Cool. And what's next? Oh, me. Um, so yeah, this is actually a follow-up to Jonathan's uh, thing about um, the character who pl- the actor who plays Biff, Tom Wilson. Wilson. Yep, Thomas F. Wilson. Yeah, Tom Tom Wilson. He um, he. I don't know when this piece is from, but it's probably pretty old, knowing you know my batting average. But uh, he uh, he sings a song here that's kind of interesting about uh, Back to the Future and pe- all the questions that people ask him. So he wrote a song to answer all the things that people ask him about playing Biff, about, you know, whether Michael, Michael J. Fox is a nice guy and, you know, was that real manure and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but uh, check out the song. It's about a couple of minutes long. Um, pretty funny. Just the way he sort of is, I guess, a sort of stand-up bit that he does about... Uh, being bothered by questions about Biff all the time. Has he done anything else besides Biff? Is he a stand-up comedian or something, John? No, he's, he's an actor. He was on uh, a couple seasons of uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. He played uh, Steel's dad for uh, for a bit there. Okay. He was good. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. 
He's pretty, I mean, in my mind, he's typecast as Biff, right? So. Yeah, I, I think we just didn't have any real history with him before that. And obviously that's his defining role. But uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's been around doing other things for, for a lot of the time in between. Back to Jaime for some more action. Yeah, so uh, Nintendo has acquired an animation studio named Dynamo Pictures that they will re- rename as Nintendo Pictures as a subsidiary. Uh, despite the name, it's not clear exactly what's going to happen here, but I will speculate. So they say that this will focus on development of visual content utilizing Nintendo IP. And with a name like Nintendo Pictures, and given that there's the, the Mario movie that's coming out with Chris Pratt and etc., it would kind of seem like, oh, maybe they're using them for films and whatnot. But when you look at the IMDb page for Dynamo Pictures, they're really more like video game CG cutscene kind of group, mm-hmm. which not downplaying that as uh, not being skillful, but it's a different kind of skill to make the cutscenes versus trying to create a movie, you know, whole cloth the way that like a, a Pixar or a DreamWorks would. So I, I kind of wonder if they'll be doing things more in line with, you know, can, can we make this CG animatic, uh, animatic into a movie or can we make this movie into an animatic, you know, try to reduce costs sort of thing? Um, I don't know. Um, it, it certainly doesn't seem to me like it will be uh, like a studio despite the name. Or we might hopefully see a little jump in the quality of the animatics and some of the some of the Mario games or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, this this studio has some some pretty good ones on the list um, around that. So we'll we'll see what happens. But kind of interesting as you know, so many of these media companies are trying to be you know true multimedia ones, right? You've got Nintendo historically doing video games, wanting to get more into movies. Uh, Netflix, who's made their own content for a while, is like, hey, what if we made games? And, and everybody just wants everybody else's money, <laughs> apparently. So be prepared. Yeah, cool. And then last thing here, I just, just came out, I think it came out today, but uh, got this notice from IMDb, IMDb that uh, a new Lord of the Rings uh, Ring of Power um, trailer has dropped. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet or watched it. Yep, came a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of... Um, uh, told from the from one of the character elfish type characters, not elf, not elf, obviously, but uh, um, just sort of talking about uh, that kind of stuff and just sort of wispy. I mean, like, I'm not sure what we're supposed to get from this because this is this is taking place, you know, a long time, obviously before the uh, what we know of as the Hobbit or even Lord of the Rings stories. So it's kind of hard to sort of put you know your finger on who the characters and all that kind of stuff are, but. There you go. Kind of in that world. Looks very much like, you know, really amazing parts of uh, New Zealand that you want to go see and that kind of stuff. So it'd be fun. And just speaking of Lord of the Rings, I was watching um, Carl Urban was on uh, um, Colbert recently and uh, talking about the, he, he had uh, Colbert had Taika Waititi on one day and they had Carl Urban on the next day. And he sort of said, like, you guys are from New Zealand. Do you happen to know each other? And Harlem goes, yeah, like, come on. There's like 5 million people in, in New Zealand. Like, you know, it's not like we're a small country, but as a matter of fact, yeah, our, my, our parent, our mothers knew each other and we used to play together as kids. <laughs> <laughs> but he was talking about how, how, you know, in the time that uh, he did Lord of the Rings, he said uh, that, you know, they would basically take him, put him on a helicopter and fly him to these really remote parts. He saw more of... Uh, New Zealand as an actor in Lord of the Rings, and he had as an actual native New Zealander. So, pretty funny. 
Yeah, it's amazing how many people are sort of are where they're from and don't go beyond that. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we lived in, I lived in Niagara Falls when I was a kid and, and uh, you know, we went maybe once the entire time I was there. And then, and I've been there more times since taking, you know, friends and family for a while there when anybody came to Canada from, you know, Asia or Europe, my dad would drag them down to Niagara Falls. Look at this big body of water just falling over this cliff, you know. Wow, amazing. Yeah, I had the same experience with all of my uh, European family. It was the same thing. Every time somebody came over, it was trod back down there. Especially if they brought kids. Oh, they have kids. You should come too. Yes, that sounds awesome. Let's totally do that. I mean, it's quite a different experience there now, I suppose. But I haven't, I haven't been back in years. And, you know, with all the casino and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Clifton Hill sort of always was a bit of a attra attraction. But, yeah, yeah, not, not much to see beyond, like, you look at the amount of water coming down this big cliff. All right, so it's that time of the show where we get to start talking about something Star Trek shaped. And this time we're going to talk about the season finales, season one, episode 10 of Strange New Worlds. And I'm going to do the recap today. And the episode is called A Quality of Mercy. And it starts with Captain's Log. Start at 1457 Mark 9, and uh, Pike tells us that we're on a routine mission to retrofit outposts, outposts on the neutral zone, and uh, this is, as explained in the show, for those of, who, those of you who have never seen Star Trek before, it is a an area of space between the Romulan and Federation space, and uh, he's, uh, they're also in proximity to the U.S. Cayuga, which is... Uh, captained by his girlfriend, Captain Battelle, who we saw, I think, in the first episode. Uh, she tells him that she misses the bearded guy, and, uh, you know, they, he's making her spaghetti as, as, you know, he's cooking for her, because that's what he does. And um, so we, we're we at Outpost 4, and we meet com Commander uh, Hassan Al-Dala, and played by a person I've met in person, Ali Hassan, who's the host of... Uh, uh, he's a Canadian uh, stand-up comedian, uh, another brown guy like me. I was at a party once with, and I think we were only two brown people in the in the room, so we we kind of just talked to each other for a minute. And uh, in conversation with Pike in the show, he introduces his son Matt, and Matt Al Sahal is one of the names that Pike has been reciting in his memory of the people who were in in the mission with him when the reactor blows up ten years in the future. And uh, he kind of just freaks out at the thought and excuses himself and leaves, gets up and leaves. And uh, he's just a bit, uh, bit out of it. And um, so he's back in and flash. I'm going to jump around a bit, but he's back in his, his quarters and uh, he starts to write a letter to a uh, young kid and a bunch of other people. And as he's doing that, uh, he hears a voice and it turns out to be future Admiral um, Pike standing there in the, in the red, you know, um, I think second or third uh, movie uh, kind of outfit um, telling him that uh, he, maybe he shouldn't auto, I guess it's the undiscovered country uh, outfit. Um, shouldn't write that because uh, you're going to change the future. If you, if you go ahead and push send on that uh, message, thankfully he's not running a Microsoft product because it probably would have sent before you finished writing it. But um, yeah. And so the future Pike uh, explains to him, he's brought he's, by a time crystal that he got from the Klingon homeworth on Boreth, because, you know, Pike makes a comment about the fact that, I mean, our Pike makes a comment about the fact that, uh, you know, where'd you get that from, the Klingon world? And he goes, well, who do you think sent me? And at that point in time, we uh, we uh, hit the uh, the titles of the show. And um, so 
what uh, Pike does is, um, or Future Pike, um, pops him into the, he has him touch the crystal and he, he jumps ahead and he's officiating a wedding, uh, just like Captain Kirk does in The Balance of Terror, season one, episode five. And and it's, I don't know if you guys have watched the, season, the um, Balance of Terror since this episode came out or even knew, but it's almost a line by line recreation of that episode. Because in the beginning of that episode, it starts with Kirk officiating a wedding. And uh, and the sort of, you know, the, the red alert goes off and, you know, he gets called up to the bridge. And it's funny, it's not red alert. It's just called alert, 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 and, you know, battle stations. And it's it's early in the series of, of the original series. So they hadn't got all the, the sort of, uh, you know, uh, catchphrases that we all know and love as, as being Star Trek, you know, canon. They hadn't worked all those out yet. So they were still sort of, you know, just uh, depending on the writer or the story, um, what, what, uh, kind of things, you know, Sulu or Spock would say over the comm. The outpost is being, outpost four again, as in the balance of terror is being attacked by, uh, some strange ship, which they're und- und- undetermined ship and it keeps disappearing. So they really can't see it. And, uh, so he sits down with Spock and, and, uh, determines that, uh, they, they bounce seven years into the future. And, uh, you know, he's trying to explain to Spock one-on-one. And it's interesting because Ethan Peck throughout the entire show acts very much like Spock, uh, Leonard Nimoy Spock in that show. Very sort of st- stiff and emotionless and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, it's, it's really interesting sort of, um, juxtaposing two episodes together to see the, the very sim- much similarities between them. And, um, well, especially as it comes on the heels of him having that emotional out- outburst recently, right? Because he, he had sort of pushed himself to be emotional. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is seven years in the future, right? And, and a lot of a lot of water under the bridge, as it were, right? And mm-hmm. as I, I'll try to explain the differences as we go through. But but uh, I, and actually, just before while I was waiting for you guys to come, I just I just snuck a peek at the Balance of Terror. I did watch the Balance of Terror a couple of weeks ago. That's the one I, I mentioned before, where. Um, Mark Leonard, who ended up playing Spock's father, is the Romulan commander on that ship that Kirk uh, has this sort of um, cat and dog fight with, um, or cat and mouse, I guess is the, the terminology I should use. Um, so he asked Spock to do a mind meld with him, so to prove that he's not lying, you know, because, you know, Spock's like, well, why don't you go, you know, see the doctor and get your head examined? And he's like, well, why don't you be a Sp- uh, Vulcan and examine my head? So they kind of talk about the, 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 what's going on here. And, um, so meanwhile, they, they're, as they, they get to outpost four, there's also the Farragut's there. And, and somebody mentions that's Laana's ship, right? And as you know, from a couple of episodes ago, Laana left, uh, the enterprise. So, um, Pike, who doesn't know, like he's just popped into this, into the storyline and doesn't know where everybody is or what roles they're playing. So he's kind of like, Oh, really? She's on that ship. Okay, cool. And so Hassan comes on the, uh, commander Hassan, commander Hassan comes on the, 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 um, the comm again. And, uh, he says that they're being attacked and, and they were hit by some sort of strange thing. And can you, or, you know, are you receiving me? And interestingly enough, the character in Balance of Terror is also named Hassan, but Hassan, Hassan, Hassan with an E-N, uh, very much like, uh, Hansen, right? But, um, and, uh, the line, line by line, you know, what, what, what's uh the 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 lines that um ali hassan delivers are very much the same lines as they are in the balanced terror episode so that's kind of interesting that it's sort of a retelling of the exact same scenario and the difference is this time you know pike would have already had his or would he they wouldn't have had his accident seven years in the future would he um but by this time kirk was the commander of the enterprise not pike right um these are all the things that would have changed if he you know pushed send on that message if you remember right so 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see the the uh, the the, um, the commander shares his screen with uh, as he's being attacked. Shares the the screen with Enterprise so they can see what he's seeing. And we see a, a single lone bird, Romulan bird of prey, very much in exactly in the 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 original series style with the with the bird of prey eagle painted on the bottom of it and attacks the the ship with a huge you know energy plasma thing as it uncloaks kind of thing uh ends up destroying outposts for and um part of part of the conversation that that pike and, and spock had uh in the ready room but here in in the balance of terror kirk has it on the bridge talks about the fact that they haven't seen the Romulans, and he says a century in, in the original show, uh, but 100 years, they haven't seen it, and nobody's seen a Romulan that kind of stuff. And on the bridge, Ortega's is sitting closest to the camera. She's sitting on the, the right side, where the navigator normally sits, or the person with the weapons normally sits, right? And uh, she's got a very sort of different style, different attitude, like, again, in the same way that that's... Um, Ethan Peck portrays Spock differently. The actress is also portraying Ortega's differently. She's playing as if she's uh, Mr. Styles, who was the guy in the uh, in the original Balance of Terror show, and he, like he's saying, "I can't be much doubt about who's attacking." Like you know, it's uh, as if you know the Romulans are just sort of the, the natural enemy of of the Federation, and, and you know we're supposed to just supposed to jump in and and buy into that sort of idea. So um, meanwhile, they get. They get hailed by the Farragut, and it turns out that it's uh, you're being hailed by James Kirk, who's the captain of the Farragut. And I don't know about you guys, but he sounds a lot like Rob Lowe to me. I don't know if you guys caught that. Uh, just his voice. Anyway, so uh, you know, just to get some reference on him, um, Kirk, or sorry, Pike calls uh, uh, Sam Kirk, who's one of his uh, science officers, in to give him the sort of the rundown on on James Kirk. And you know, he says you know he's a real charmer and. Uh, he doesn't like to lose, you know, and he's a bit of a wild card. Um, a, 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 huge a rule in, bender, I think, yeah. Rule bend, yeah. He's a, he's a real pain in the ass, but but underneath he's a good captain kind of thing. And these are all sort of the things we've, you know, people have said about Kirk after the fact. You know, back in the original series day, he was sort of the, the top, you know, commander of the day. In fact, he was like, you know, star of the show as well. Um, so in part of, part of the... the the proximity to where they are, there's a comet nearby, and and uh, Spock says, you know, if we as they go through that comet or as they go near the comet, we may be able to catch a trail of them. And uh, I think it's actually Kirk that suggests this, and and uh, they might be able to get an, uh, uh, something there. And um, in the original Balance of Terror, Ohura hears a sort of a, a code in in a transmission, and she grabs it and and decodes it, kind of thing. And this one here. Um, they notice the there's a signal inside the tail of the comet, and and as if the Romulans are trying to hide their message, and uh, the, the bridge crew grabs it and they start to decipher it, and they get an image of what the Romulan bridge would look like, and surprise, surprise, the Romulans look like Vulcans, and um, they it's not quite exactly shot for shot in this part of it, but they all everybody on the bridge just turns one to the next to the next to the next, and they all end up looking at obviously Ethan Peck dressed as as uh, as uh, Spock and and uh, he does his best job not to overdo it, but he t- does this the Leonard Nimoy eyebrow raise thing. It was it was very subtle. It wasn't quite as as yeah. exaggerated as I thought it was going to be. I thought he was going to just like completely go for the eyebrow, but he, he was very subtle. Yeah. yeah, and it's interesting. I went I, as I as I did watch that scene in the uh, Balance of Chair just before we recorded, and uh, Nimoy doesn't quite. I think it was probably the first time he ever did it on the show because it it. 
it wasn't quite as, as developed as I remember, you know, as well. But uh, so uh, this this timeline's Captain Kirk uh, beams over after the commercial break, which we don't get commercial break because we don't have to sit through commercials like Hami does. And, uh, you know, it kind of explains that the Romulans have the upper hand here and, you know, we can't show weakness to them. And, uh, you know, the comet may, may be able to uh, give us sort of a, as they go through the comet's tail, they may be able to give themselves away. And uh, so in, in the original Balance of Terror and in this story, they, the, the facts about the ship are like, it takes a huge amount of power to cloak and they can only fire when they decloak. And so uh, what they determine in, in both this story and, and the previous story is that, you know, perhaps the, the Romulans can't, their sensors don't work when they're cloaked. So Kirk suggested that why don't we just kind of like, you know, fly near them and slowly move in closer to them as we go. And they may just see it as a, as a just sort of a reflection uh, from the comet kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so they do this, and as they go through the, the comet, they they expect to see the Romulan bird to prey on the other side. They don't, and it turns out that the Romulans are on the Farragut six and starts firing at the at the Farragut with a big plasma weapon and pretty much disables the ship and blows half of it up. And uh, you know, um, this is when we learn Mitchell's name because because uh, uh, Pike says, "Start Mitchell, start firing phasers," and she starts firing and she actually clips the. The Romulan bird of prey, and then he goes, "Good shot, Jenna." And that's how we get our first name. And uh, so, anyway, the plasma then turns plasma weapon turns around and and fires at at the Enterprise and doesn't take them out. Like the super plasma thing is supposed to be so strong it'll go through the deflectors as well, or the the shields as well, and that's how it is able to destroy the outposts that it's been doing. In the Balance of Terror, it destroys them one after the other, so it destroys two two three, and it's on the way to four. And it has actually blown up in outpost eight in, in the Balance of Terror episode. But anyway, I love it when the enemies decide to target these things in numerical order. It really makes yeah, it easier no, to find I, them. Well, <laughs> it's funny because in in the map they show in the original series, they show like a like a like a, a PowerPoint slide, and uh, we were showing the sort of you know, curve going off, rising off to the right, and uh, you know the wrong the outposts on on our side. And they're all literally, literally numbered, numbered outposts one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So if you just wanted to go and pick them off, you just start on one and go. And so, so blowing them up in numerical order is not that difficult, really. You know, um, it's not like you have to randomly hit them. But uh, and of course, they weren't super creative about the names back in the in the sixties, right? Um, so uh, plasma uh, hits the, the Enterprise, kind of takes disables them a bit, um, but at the same time. Um, the transporter chief has beamed over the crew, the surviving crew of the Varigate, which includes Commander Laon. And, you know, um, you know uh, Pike runs down to the transporter room to, to play play along, and he, he gets a big hug from her, and he's like, I don't remember you being a hugger, and uh, Lieutenant Laon. And she says, Lieutenant, don't you need to buy me a drink now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I'm a commander. Can't you tell with my yellow outfit on that I've got on? And she's big, she's smiley and, you know, more emotional and, not like he, how he remembers it all, right? Uh, so Kirk calls him to his, his uh, ready room, and, and in the in the heat of battle, Kirk is like, "Fire on them! Fire on them!" And uh, you know, Pike is a little bit more. He's he's still the Boy Scout, and he's like, "I'm gonna I'm not going to do that. I'm you know whatever. I'm going to take my time, and I don't want to hit you." And when I'm aiming for the the Romulans, and uh, so anyway, Kirk gets him and gets him alone, and says, "You flinched. What what's up, man? You flinched." 
and they they argue back and forth about their tactics and um you know pike stands his ground about being sort of more conservative than kirk would have been right um and then kirk basically just says i won't underestimate i won't underestimate romulans again kind of thing um and uh so meanwhile spock has noticed that he calls him up to the bridge because he's noticed that uh they're leaking something some sort of trail is being left behind and and he surmises that they're they probably can't get home in that condition and so he's like, can, well, can we figure out where they are? And, and he goes, yeah, I think we can. So Pike gets Uhura to hail uh, the bird of prey. And uh, he eventually gets through to them. And uh, he just sort of says, this is Captain Pike, blah, 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 blah. And he calls for a temporary ceasefire between him and the uh, Romulan commander, or captain, I think he calls him. But, um, you know, he says, I know you attacked our outposts. I have footage of, I have a YouTube file of, of you guys doing it. I'm an MP3, MP4. And, um, uh, so, you know, and, you know, this is, this is a fight that started before either one of us was born. Like, why are we, why are we doing this? In fact, uh, William Shatner says that one of the bridge crew in the show, uh, this fight, this, this is not our fight. It happened well before, before we came along. Right. And, uh, in our culture, you know, your words show weakness is what the, the Romulan says to him. And, uh, he says, well, why don't we take two hours, you know, bury our dead and repair our ships and, and, uh, uh, you know, so the the Romulan commander agrees. Okay, two hours uh, after after thinking about it for a few minutes, and um, Ortega still wants to shoot very much like Mister Styles in the original show, and and uh, to the point where she's like, you know, getting quite demanding about it, and and uh, Pike yells at her, "Stand down!" kind of thing. Um, meanwhile, on the bird of prey, the sub commander challenges the captain's decision as well, and you know, the captain takes him aside and says, "You know, your uncle was a great warrior and died in this huge battle and whatever." He died because your his the commander of his ship was a fool, and and uh, you know um, you know that's why we you know we don't just blindly go off and fight you know like this just because we can kind of sort of thing. And he says, I don't care. I'm old. I don't care what you guys think. And I'm old too. And I kind of get that impression. I get that sort of. I get that sentiment. After a while, you just don't care what people think. <laughs> get off my lawn! Uh, it's a yell at the cloud. But um, anyway, so Spock on the on the. Uh, um, on the ship is, or on, on one of the timelines is telling us that, uh, he, um, you know, that we need to follow our instincts and, and, uh, that kind of stuff. And, and it, they have a sort of round table and, and, uh, some people are for war and some people are not for work kind of thing. And, and, uh, Fox sort of his devices, you know, probably, probably should have shoot a shot. And he says to Spock, he says, by the way, where's Una? Like, where's my number one? And, and, uh, Spock looks at him and goes, um, well, she's in a penal colony you know, sentenced, you know, for, for last seven years for her deception sort of thing. Right. Which we'll come back later. And, uh, this is where we get the captain, 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 as you know, Kirk comes into the room and Spock decides Isn't that a rum commercial or something. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It almost was because he looked at Pike and says, captain. And he looks at Kirk and he goes, captain. And, you know, I don't know they, they could have done the whole captain, captain, captain thing. Right. Um, so uh, Kirk and Pike, Pike are now talking, and, and, and you know they're like, "I don't think I could trust these guys. I don't know why you can." And and he says, he's, "Kirk suggests I have a backup plan." He goes, "Well, what's that?" And he doesn't tell him what the backup plan is, but uh, he says, uh, "You know, the, the Romulans may call in reinforcements. We should, we or you know, so we should probably do the same thing or pretend to sort of thing." And he asks him to borrow a shuttle, and he goes whipping off in the shuttle. And of course, they play the original um, Star Trek theme as as Kirk leaves in the shuttle. Um, meanwhile, just as a little thing here, I wasn't going to talk about it, but the, the, in the jet, in the Jeffrey's tubes, in the original balanced terror, 
Kirk goes or Spock goes off to repair the phasers, right? Uh, he wants to oversee them himself, and of course, you know, Ethan Peck does the same thing. So you see him in the in the uh, Jeffrey's tube, and you hear a Scottish voice talking to him down the corridor, and it, uh, the Scottish voice is voiced by Matthew Wolf, um, who doesn't look anything like uh, our Scotty, but this is you know meant to be. I think that I read somewhere that they hadn't determined who who was going to play Montgomery Scott, but it was sort of the first time we've heard a, a Scottish voice on in this series, anyway. And uh, um, and back on the uh, on the comms with the uh, the Romulan commander, he's you know um, Pike is telling him, you know, we, we do, you know you see this as weakness, but we see uh, forming a partnership as opposed to an enemy or seeing you as an enemy as a strength that we, we sort of can do to, to do this. And, and uh, the Roman commander, he goes, yes, I too tire of, of endless war kind of thing. And meanwhile, as they're talking, the Romulan sheep fleet just shows up and there's like, you know, 50 ships just bounce in all of a sudden. And uh, turns out the sub commander has called them in and in spite of what his, his, the orders he was given by his captain and he's disobeyed a direct order. And so he gets the, uh, um, the guards to take the uh, sub commander off the bridge, kind of thing. So, or um, Pike gets hailed by Praetor, who's uh, a lady uh, running, or who's in charge of all these things, and she tells them she expects them to surrender, and and uh, you have one minute to comply and to kneel. <laughs> and, yeah, and you should be kneeling. Exactly. He's like, well, I'm not Romulan, so I'm not going to do that. And uh, meanwhile, so at the same time, all of a sudden, her says, oh, there's a whole bunch of ships coming in. They're ours, and so. Uh, all of a sudden, a whole bunch of Federation ships, like a whole armada of ships, show up, and um, Captain Kirk is leading leading them. And he has a private channel with with the Enterprise, and it turns out they're all robotic mining ships. And says, "How do they know they aren't? You know, they haven't seen our ships in a hundred years. How do they know these aren't like these? You know, forget about the front end loader thing and the snowblowers on the front. They may not recognize that these are just you know junkers, right? And uh, so." Pike lets, you know, has Uhura Patch in uh, Kirk as he talks to the Praetor. And uh, uh, so Kirk, uh, Pike um, shows the Praetor the recording, the, the MP4 that they have of the, uh, the bird of prey attacking the outpost. And uh, she's a little annoyed at the fact that she's been caught with her proverbial pants down. Sorry. Um, anyway, so uh, they, um, or she got caught with her hand in the cookie jar. But that's probably a better, better safer way to say it, right? And uh, so she sends the uh, the commander, the, the bird of prey, towards the Enterprise and decloaks it. And uh, she calls it a culling, you know. He's gonna, she's going to cull the commander for having been caught. And uh, so then Pike has a, a, a chat again with uh, the commander. And, and this is literally line for line from the show, where Mark Leonard, at the very end of, just before he blows up, Mark in... In the original show, Kirk chases him down to the point where the Romulan ship is has been dis- disabled by the by Kirk, and he says, "You know, I'll beam you guys bo- board and take the prisoner, or whatever." And and uh, Mark Leonard's character says, "That's not our way." And he, he literally says, "You and I are of a kind in a different reality. You, I could have called you friend." And and uh, in this show, he says, "I've accepted my fate," but uh, Mark Leonard never says that. He just blows up, blows up the ship. Um, and then an interesting thing, too, is I remember they talked about the wedding at the very beginning. Um, Tomlinson, who is the groom to be married, he dies in both tellings. He dies in, in, in uh, William Shatner's uh, story, Balance of Terror, and he also dies in this one here. So the, the uh, wedding isn't going to take place 
Uh, meanwhile, so, so in, in this show, the Romulans all fire on the, the bird of prey and destroy it. Uh, uh, meanwhile, you know, like, uh, he's, let's, let's hit it. Let's get out of here. And, and turns out the warp drive is offline. And, and uh, so the plasma weapon starts, or they start to attack the Enterprise. And Kirk maneuvers all the drones so that they're between the Enterprise and, and, the, uh, and the Romulan fleet. And uh, as they do that, Kirk's ship gets hit. And, and so... Pike grabs, gets him to get the crew to transport him over back onto the ship, and as as he beams over, they the, the drives come back online miraculously, and like maybe they just have to get you know turn them on and off again or whatever, and uh, they they decide to warp out, and and just as they warp out, um, there's a calm comes over the uh, uh, sort of the Romulans blast a you know wide open uh, blast declaring war, and um, so Pike's like. Uh, oh, I guess I kind of screwed that one up. And he's trying to—he's trying to figure out why he was here. Like at one point, he talks about maybe I was here to to stop Kirk from starting a war, but now he's realized that in fact it was him that started the war, or the two of them started the war together, I guess. Uh, but in in the melee of of getting hit by the plasma weapon, he hears that Deck Six was hit, and he remembers that where Spock was repairing the in the Jeffries tubes, repairing the phasers, and uh, so he whips down to. Uh, down to the, the sick bay and, and he gets the sort of that sick feeling in his stomach as he's looking around and he sees Spock lying on a med bed and he's like just trashed, burned and missing a, missing a leg. And, you know, it's got a big hole in his arm and uh, nurse chapel uh, tells him that, you know, basically he's got radiation burns on 40% of his body. Um, and even if he survives, he won't, he won't be the same. And which is exactly the same diagnosis that, uh, Pike gets, you know, in his in his uh, former future. If if we go back to that, right. Um, but meanwhile, so as as he realizes that this is this is the thing that he uh, that he causes ultimately by uh, creating that letter he was going to send uh, that email, and um, uh, we're back in the room with Admiral Pike, uh, back in his his quarters, uh, telling him that you know the millions die. In, as a result of this war, and that the war is continuing to the day to the day when he's an admiral in the future, and just never goes away. And and you know, the reality in the reality, Spock is needed, as we all know from having you know lived through the last you know through the next generation, all that kind of stuff. Is Spock is is uh, one of the ambassadors? Spock um, leads the way to uh, Romulan reunification and. I guess them to cooperate with Federation and, you know, brings peace. And so without Spock, you know, that the, the, the friction between the Romulans and the Federation will never go away. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of an important guy. And, and, uh, and then, um, um, Dr. Strange tells him that, you know, in no matter what, what, uh, play of the, of the world. Oh no, sorry, not Dr. Strange is actually Admiral Pike tells him that no, no matter how they look at it, the, the Klingons have used this, the time crystal to, determine all the different timelines and in every single one of them Spock dies so you have to stay on the path that you're you're currently on because this is the path that never should have been taken kind of thing so Kirk you know shows up at the door and and uh you know Pike just says uh what you know what are you up to because well, I'm just talking to myself and turns around of course Admiral Pike is gone by this this point but uh um he says yeah I get this feeling I was supposed to meet you as they have a drink and you know clink glasses and that kind of stuff um and he said you know Kirk says to him, you know, if you had just chased the ship and taken it out, which is what Shatner does in his episode, uh, none of this would have happened. <laughs> kind of thing, right? Uh, so Pike decides to, he goes and grabs the crystal from, which is still on his desk, and uh, touches it, and he's back into 
into his own timeline. He's come back into into our world uh, or our timeline, I guess. And um, yeah, he just says computer delete file and delete the uh, the email. And Spock walks in. He goes, oh, "I'm so glad to see you." He goes, "What are you talking about? You just saw me like a minute ago, dude." Um, <laughs> anyway, so, and uh, he kind of explains that you know um, some things. You know, he, he talks about time and and how some things some things are inescapable and uh, you can't get away. He says, "I." feel I owe you a debt of uh, gratitude, but I don't know what for, kind of thing. And uh, meanwhile, here it gets uh, told that Captain Battelle is beaming over and he expects her, Una, and him to meet her in the transporter room. And as they get there, uh, Battelle um, arrests Una for her anti-genetic modification and, you know, that she's an Alarian and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, so Pike's not pleased about the the fact that una is now being taken away and that uh, his girlfriend is the one who's who had the order to come and, and arrest her kind of thing and uh yeah we're not happy as we fade in on christopher pike's face and he stares into the camera and that's the end of the show end of the season dun dun so interesting i mean i don't know did you guys did you I'm sure you enjoyed my parallel comparison to um, Balance of Terror, but did you get the sort of sense that this was a retelling of the previous episode, or did you remember, or had you remember seeing it? Yeah, I didn't know that it was quite as uh, line-by-line as it was, but uh, I knew it was very similar, intentionally so, to be like, you know, a whole bunch of stuff is the same, except different person at the helm, somewhat different action taken that fits their personality better than the other person and the, the consequences that happen. Yeah. I mean, even some of the, some of the things that Spock says are, are literally lifted from that same plot. I mean, it's not identical, but like, it's kind of like, you know, they put Pike into the position that Kirk was in. What would, you know, it's kind of like, what would Pike have done kind of scenario, right? Yeah. I liked, I liked how they sort of juxtapose how Pike's demeanor would go through the situation versus Kirk's demeanor. Yeah. Like yeah. it really was a, a fun exercise as a Star Trek fan to go through. And because you're right, Tim, like it, the parallels, I mean, you, you, I think you got it even more stronger than, than Hyman and I did, but to see the parallels between those two episodes and to see like how Pike plays it versus how Kirk plays it and how they're just so very different as captains is, is pretty fun. Well, even even with the Kirk character there to call him out on his decisions and, and the sort of fun things about, like, you know, the last thing he says to him, you know, like, if you had just chased him and taken him out, which is exactly what Jay, William, William Shatner's Kirk did in the, that whole episode was, was uh, you know, sort of, uh, I mean, it was the fifth episode in, the, in ever, really, you know, so it's probably one of the first episodes people would have seen, um, you know, because people don't always, you know, see the fir- very first one, but just sort of the cat and mouse game that the two to and it's i don't know if you remember but it's it's i've always thought of it as an interesting um episode of trek in general because it's kind of like two warriors cut from the same cloth you know put into battle you know not like the goran episode that's a stupid episode but the you know the two warriors put into the same scenario and how would you know and they're they're you know they're enemies but they appreciate like much like the uh, christopher Plummer. um uh what's his name, uh, the commander with the eye patch, um, how he appreciate Kirk, you know, as, as a uh, equal warrior kind of story. I mean, that's, that's where that sentiment came from that, you know, we're, uh, we're, you know, we, I would have liked to meet you on the field of battle, I think is what Christopher Pike's, um, general Chang. Chang, I think. Yes. Yeah. 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 
he says that in the, in the undiscovered country because in the undiscovered country they're at peace right or they're brokering peace right yeah mm-hmm. so this was a it was kind of a weird way to end the season though because they kind of pepper through the the una stuff which is obviously what we leave as sort of the, the cliffhanger for season one into season two is, you know, oh, Una's been arrested. Now what? B- but it really is kind of incidental to the larger plot, which is Pike has to stay on his path. It, it, I'm not sure it entirely worked for me as far as sort of the way they tried to sort of weave those two things together. I, yeah, I think they could have just arrested her at the end. That would have been... Yeah, like it almost felt over overwrought to, to have it sort of peppered through a few times there. Like it was like a big stunning secret. Like we knew, like I, I'm sure you guys were doing the same thing I was, which was like, oh, this is tied into her, her big thing that she revealed earlier. Like we, we kind of knew that that shoe was waiting to drop, right? Yeah, she does say that, in fact, when he tries to defend her too, physically, right? Um it's interesting too. I was thinking about that from that because the Majel Barrett's um, one between the pilot and you know she, where did she go? That's the first question I always had. You know, like oh cool, they have a female number one. When I first saw that that episode, the the, the cage, right? And um, but where does she go? Like we just don't know, right? Yeah, I, I I will be genuinely surprised if she is written entirely off. Oh, I don't mean she'll be written off. I just it's just sort of one of those one of those mysteries of Trek is like where did that character go? Yeah, and, no, I think, I think I think I think that's one of the things. Maybe a lot of Star Trek fans were kind of hoping that they would flesh out her story and explain that transition and everything else. But it it is kind of strange. I didn't know if they would move it towards this this quickly but yeah i i will on the in the, as a feminist take offense to the fact that they had to make her genetically modified to have her be a strong woman yeah but lon is a strong woman and she's not genetically modified as much yeah, but, but she's, she's kind of but she's petite. but she's got issues too right i mean like she does but that's have a they can't just have a strong woman who like mind you i guess captain Battelle is that strong woman right well but but also the 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 chapel character is a strong woman and the ortega character is a strong woman and uhura has been a fantastic strong woman in this in this show i think mm-hmm. all of the female characters have gotten some real runway on this show which is it's, it's actually uh it might actually be a little more tilted towards the 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 female characters which i think is great but um yeah i i don't i don't think I don't think it diminishes Una to have that in her, um, except for the fact that she clearly she's, you know, superior physical strength and everything else. Yeah. So now that we've gotten from one through ten, this is the first full season. What's what's your uh, what's your grade one to ten first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds? I st- you know, I still rate this as a pretty, pretty decent track, right? Um like it, it's very much it's very respectful of the original series in that sense right mm-hmm. it's got that same sort of tone to it um you know i think like in in some of my criticisms about discovery have been it, they're kind of stretching it to get you know but how do they solve the dovetail you know, the prequel problem well let's just make them bounce them three thousand years into the future right <laughs> which to be fair yeah. is a pretty elegant solution i i will say that this one so far seems to be elegantly dancing around the prequel problem in a way that that the first couple seasons of discovery didn't do as well yeah and certainly that enterprise didn't and certainly that some of the other sort of timey-wimey things of star trek haven't done as well so there's that well and this series came out of discovery too because they they kind of you know got anson mount in and ethan peck and 
and Rebecca Romaine. They weren't really, I, I don't know if they, like, do you think they were thinking about Strange New Worlds when they, they brought the Enterprise back to Discovery in Season 2? Yeah, I do. I think they had backdoor mm-hmm. pilot thoughts right then. I thought, mm-hmm. if they're going to build that set, yeah, I think if they're building those sets and doing the kind of beautiful detail that they've done on recreating but modernizing the Enterprise Bridge, I think they were like, okay, let's 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 plan for more of this and just make sure that we're confirming that it that people like it and then obviously the response to uh to you know the 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 revived re- revised cast and everything else has definitely vindicated their casting and everything else and then here we are mm-hmm. i think it was a pretty intelligent risk because you know it's expensive to make that set right and so you're thinking okay well we got to get something else out of it hopefully it's this captain pike spin-off series but worst case you can do like star trek 2009 like hey we have further adventures of kirk and spock and bones right and you know that's pretty popular it's got some level of popularity and they um i think they they wagered intelligently because the fans really um embraced handsome mount as pike so it, it was kind of a a win-win either way as long as folks were were willing to have more uh uss enterprise stuff Mm-hmm. I like this season. Um, feels like it's a, a a good eight or nine. It's, it's hard to give something ten, and it's, it's absolutely perfect. It wasn't a perfect season, but it was really really solid. I think it um, it certainly helps if you know some of what happened in Discovery. But I think even just the recap that they give at the beginning of the season is is probably what you need to get through what is largely an episodic structure with a sort of couple of longer plot threads so it's it's not heavily serialized it's not heavily you know hit the reset button episodic it's kind of a nice blend of the two i was very happy with that yeah well you guys know i'm a i'm a generally tough grader but i thought this was a solid eight i think this was a really enjoyable i thought the casting above all else was a home run i think they've they've found really really good performers in almost uniformly across all the roles yeah. and they've let them, you know, uh, yeah, some good writing mixed in there as well, but they've really kind of let the, the actor shine. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, yeah, there's, there's no Barkley in this. No, there's no duds really. Like I, I find yeah, Ortega yeah. is a little one note. She probably could use a, a standalone episode that focuses on her soon, but, um, yeah, I think I think they've given everybody a chance to shine and and shed some light on some old characters that we didn't know as much about, like Number One and Benga, and then yeah. also given us some time with new characters like Lon and and uh, you know people like that and even uh, Chapel that are you know yeah she's great that are great. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm I would say I'm going to slot this one in probably as my number two of the f- current shows and my favorite shows. Uh, I, I think it would take yeah. a Herculean effort to get Lower Decks out of that number one spot for me right now. But uh, <laughs> that's true. But I think this one kind of edges out Disco and it, it and it edges out Picard uh, as, as sort of my favorite of the uh, the current the current series. Yeah, it fixes some things like you know. So uh, Hammer ends up um, dying, but. It wasn't. It wasn't like we got all of his backstory in the same episode where he dies, right? Like he's given quite a bit to do, quite a bit of backstory in several episodes prior. 
So even when, when we can foresee his death coming, it's not like, oh, okay, here's this background character. We've never, you know, really heard anything about them. Suddenly we're getting their, their sob story, you know, how their mother and father never agreed or something. And, oh, that person's definitely dying now, right? Like, yeah. it wasn't quite uh, as telegraphed as, um, you know, some of the other shows, which I think speaks to them taking the, the criticism for where they didn't quite hit the 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 notes and then how they can adjust yeah cool all right let's move on to ms marvel yeah so the season finale is uh starts pretty much i think right up from when episode five ended right so you've got uh Kamran and bruno uh after the, the department of damage control or just damage well, yeah. control and- i mean you may want to just do, we didn't uh we didn't do any recap on five so we, might want to we just sort of i thought we did i i i lost track of where we had talked about it yeah no we did four but we didn't do five or six oh well, five, five the 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 cole's notes on five is basically it shows the backstory where uh kamala is in the past and it tells the whole story of her great-grandparents meeting and then how she ends up as we discussed on our our last episode how she ends up basically fulfilling the prophecy of the the trail of stars that guides her grandmother back to her great-grandfather so that they can get on the last train to pakistan and and uh and get onto the side they need to be on before the partition and then um yeah, basically, it's the sort of the the final conflict between the, the clandestines and and Kamala, and how uh, they all die. But in the in the dying, um, Kamran's mom basically triggers this sort of uh, I don't know what to call it, like this mutation in him. I guess is the best way to put it, where just like Kamala has her powers activated by the the bangle, he gets his powers activated by her sacrificing herself and and sort of saying his name as she's sacrificing herself closing the door to the to the alternate dimension and that's sort of the biggest portion of that episode right right okay so it was the like piercing the veil or something i think is what they ended up calling it and we know from the uh, spider-man no way home and doctor strange multiverse of madness that incursions are a bad thing right and the whole plot point for the clandestines was yeah, it's totally fine if we do an incursion for this reality because we don't care. We want to just get back to ours. And and that would have caused doom for, for our universe. So, okay. Yeah, that's that's a great one. That, that's that's right. Um, I'd forgotten that we had uh, not recapped that one with the Terminator paradox in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to go back to the past because it was you all along, Kamala. Yeah. So at the end of that episode, then, is where um, you know Kamran and Bruno meet up and and Cameron realizes that he legitimately thought that the guy's name was Brian and he wasn't like trying to <laughs> big dog him or anything he just legitimately got his name wrong genuinely got it wrong and the damage control folks sent a drone that you know pew pew pewed and blows up the the guy's like house slash convenience store uh place so um yeah they start this episode I think you know on the run with that and and Cameron's kind of like you know, dealing with the changes that his body is going through with this, uh, this hard light stuff. And they've got the, I don't know what the, the, the lady agent is that she's like very like mustache twirling evil kind of uh, agent lady. Like she is just, you know, on a mission here to, to, to take him out because he's uh, a really enhanced individual. Is that what they say? 
yeah. forget the term yeah. is. Yeah, they call him a cape, essentially like a soup or something. Um, yeah, I think her name is Deaver because they, they mentioned her in the first episode because Cleary is the guy who is the her sort of supervisor who we saw him in Far From Home or no, sorry, No Way Home. And then her, she's the new character I got introduced and she's the, the loose cannon who's going to take her matters into her own hands. Good, good, good uh, way, use, way to use the stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we do end up with um, so with those guys, you know, on the run. We have Kamala trying to come clean to her family, but like her mom already gave away the secret, uh, intentionally and kind of unintentionally, depending on who we're talking about to uh, to the father and her brother and uh, the brother's uh, wife. And then to use a wrestling term, so normally in wrestling, there's a thing called a heel turn, where you know a hero turns into a bad person um like you know hulk hogan was a well-known hero from the wwf days and and turned into hollywood hogan when he did his heel turn and became a bad guy but there is something called a face turn where a bad person turns into a good person and i'm struggling to think of people who've done that but i'm, I'm sure there are well the rock the, mom, the rock was a ba- the rock was a bad guy steen is oh, cold steve austin was, yeah, a, he was, was a, a bad guy thing. yeah it was, yeah. was those guys were heels and they turned faces yeah yeah and it's not totally appropriate here. I'm not saying the mom was uh, a bad person, but certainly there was some antagonism there between the the mother and daughter not getting together, or not seeing eye to eye, I should say. But in this case, the mom has done a full face turn and kind of a rapid face turn is like, hey, not only am I accepting of this power that you have, but I've actually made you a pretty kick-ass outfit <laughs> that's very customized with the little uh, lightning bolt symbol from her broken um, earring and stuff, right? So they, um, adding some criticism here that this episode has a little bit of hold my beer. It's not, uh, totally off the rails, but it feels like they squished a lot into this, uh, very critical episode, but you know, they're like, all right, move it on. Cause the next part is we, we got to get to Bruno and Kamran, um, still trying to escape. They go to the mosque. They think it's going to be sanctuary. Uh, Nikia's like, no way, man. Like maybe in a church or something, but not in a mosque. They are definitely coming in here <laughs> with agents and 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 Deaver, who said her name was. She does come in with a whole bunch of armed guys, and everybody like immediately pulls out their IDs. They're like, we've we've sadly been through this too many times before. Yeah, that was both about. hilarious and obviously brutal, right? You know, like definitely, uh, definitely good commentary, fair commentary in that one. Yeah, yeah. So they they were ready. And uh, um, at least, you know, it does buy some time for the guys to escape. Uh, they, they meet up with Kamala um, and they sort of realize, you know, this is getting kind of out of hand. So she ends up asking, um, forget the honey potting dude's name is cause from like the red, uh, red scarves, red dragons. What are they? Mm, the guy with the knives. Oh. What's his yeah, name? Let me, let me, let me check my notes. It's in here. The red daggers. Red daggers. Uh, Kareem or Kimo is what they called him. All right, Kimo. Asking, so she ends up calling him asking for help, right? And Kamran's like, are you crazy? Like, they've been trying to kill the clandestines for, like, this whole time. There's no way this makes sense. She's like, no, no, trust me. He's handsome, so I trust him inherently. <laughs> Not only my life, but your life. Uh, but more importantly, if you can get to the harbor by midnight, they, they can whisk you away into, into safety. So, you know, former foes become uh allies in this desperate situation and uh because this is a uh 
you know, a high schooler show, they, they, they reconvene at the high school <laughs> where, yeah. where they run into kind of coincidentally, uh, her brother, uh, who, you know, went to the same high school and knows how to sneak into the same place. And, um, I Zoe. forget the social media, Zoe, thank you. The influencer, yeah. uh, uh, teen. And they, they do some, um, home alone style, you know, prepping <laughs> <laughs> to fight off the agents with like, deception of you know people wearing the same outfit and and showing the agents that Kamran is wearing the the red um uh, baseball cap with the hoodie and stuff and setting off uh little you know smoke traps with um um fire extinguishers and they've got the the softball or baseball uh pitching machines they're just pounding through them and everything um i think they end up using the social media is this really use the social media thing to be like yes. hey i'm on instagram everybody come to the high school because they are trying to to murder us out here please help us out you know get the yep. word out yeah um so there you know the home alone stuff happens it's uh it's actually a little darker given uh recent tragic events um yeah but but you know the, the the guns here at least are meant to uh, like stun at least right it's in that like princess leia stunning donut yeah, I'm confused, and and I don't know if you want to take it up now or circle back to it. But those those things seem to have some odd settings because at one point they're like shooting them towards people, and they like clatter over a few chairs. And at one point they shoot them, and it blows a hole through a piece of concrete in the wall. It's like, mm, is that guy just got his turned up a little too high? What's going on there? Yeah, I wasn't fully clear on the on the special guns there. They have if they're. Um tunable in some way or if it you know depending what it hits it reacts differently um or is it like a like a power washer that uses water with like on the lowest setting it'll kind of sting and on the highest setting it'll rip off flesh you know depending you know what you're doing with it yeah um, it, it felt like it, it was a little all over the place yeah yeah so despite what's kind of going on with the the home alone thing inside the school apparently uh, you said Cleary was the was the, the no no the, oh, the, the guy? commanding officer. Yeah. yeah, he's clear. He's Cleary. So Cleary calls in. And is like, hey, uh, it's not looking too good. We we just need to evacuate and back off. And uh, I need you, Deaver, to tell me that like you understand this command. And she kind of like wriggles out of it and does the complete opposite. Right? She goes rogue and says, you know, we're 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 to call in backup. We're gonna like really take this. Uh, to them. And I think this is maybe where the live stream happens, right? And they, yeah. they make their way out of the building. Kamran is losing his cool because he sort of figures out in route that his mother has died and she's not coming back. So he's got, he's got grief and, and body changes going on. It's just a bad combination. It's all a metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These changes in, in your, in your body kids. Um, and he, I know the crowd starts amassing outside and then he starts like getting enraged. There's, uh, do they start shooting him now or does she, I apologize. It happened quite fast. Uh, <laughs> she ends up containing him, right. To like yeah. power things down a little bit, try to try to cool things off. Yeah. He, and, he starts basically losing his cool and these huge spiky tendrils keep coming out of him, threatening the crowd, threatening the people, threatening the damage control and threatening her friends who are all in the back of the paddy wagon at this point. And then, yeah, she basically drops a bubble around him to try and sort of cool him out a little bit. Yeah. And then she makes the hole right for him to, to yeah. escape and, and 
she takes on the agents with her like embiggening power and stuff yep. and and fights and uh eventually it is uh quite a lot here but the the community helps her right they like surround her uh not not really in an i am spartacus but more of a you know you if you're gonna go go to her you gotta get through us sort of thing right so she can she can escape and even the even the police turn on the on the damage control agents and and hold the line and so yeah but then in, in typical police fashion they do the turnstile when the <laughs> when they go to go for her they like just let the damage control guys walk through i'm like oof, that is a deadly commentary on the cops right there <laughs> Very, uh, very thin is this blue line, apparently. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Harsh, but perhaps fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we've, you know, we've we've gotten through here. She's she's escaped. Um, I think as we start winding things down with her and her family, we find out about her her name. You know why they they named her uh, Kamala and. The, the dad is describing how, like, you know, they tried for years to have a second child and didn't think it was going to happen. And when this occurred, uh, it tells her that her name uh, eventually ends up being kind of a really cool name. We're like, in Arabic, it's perfect, which kind of applies for this uh, this sudden gift of a child. But in uh, Urdu, it's closer to, to Marvel, which is great for her because of her you know, fandom for, um, for Captain Marvel. So, uh, it's pretty, pretty cool to, to sort of have that destiny happen of why she'll be, uh, Miss Marvel. Right. I think here is where we end up with, uh, Bruno, who maybe by this point has gone to Caltech, uh, uh, you know, cause he got that, that cool, uh, it's not study abroad. It's like, uh, exchange yeah, it's like an program. early admission for oh, early admission. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so he, he comes back, he's like, all right, Kamala, so, like, not only are, do you have this special thing, because you're, like, a djinn, right, but I checked your family and their DNA, and, like, you're actually different. You have this, air quotes, mutation in your DNA that dun, makes you dun, different. Dun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so they, they, they've, they've uh, laid the path here, haven't they? Or, uh, oh, yes. For bringing things together here. Um, in the, I'm going to call it mid credits or post credits. I don't remember where this scene happens. Uh, you've got Kamala there kind of just chilling. And then she turns into like a, like a tornado spiral sort of thing. And what should occur is seemingly she has been, uh, switched, uh, not in minds or anything, but just like, you know, transported elsewhere while in her room. Captain Marvel appears and sees that she is in a teenage girl's room who is uh, heavily a fan of her, and she runs off. And I think that's the end. It is. It was, um, it's a strange thing, and and the way that they sort of wrapped it up with that, now, obviously this whole series was meant to be sort of stage setting because they're going to do the Marvel's movie next year that combines Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel and whatever name they decide to finally give the Monica Rambeau character uh, who in comic books was for a long time known as Captain Marvel as well. But that's kind of, it's quite the, it's quite the twisted 
crossover ending for a series like this because chances are we're not seeing these characters again until next I can't even remember when the Marvels is coming up I believe it's next fall uh, and not fall of 2022 fall of 2023 that's a long time yeah yeah um, I think we had talked about on this show I think you had brought up that you know there have been many people who've had the mantle of Captain Marvel and one of them was a guy who had these like cosmic bands or something, mm-hmm. right? And yep. The speculation that like, oh, maybe the bangle here is going to be that connection to Captain Marvel, and it certainly seems to be that way, given that the bangle, you know, did bangle things and teleportation happened, and Captain Marvel appeared. Just yeah, seems like more than just a coincidence. Yeah, I and it. It's it'll be interesting to see how they weave these things together. So this is obviously they've mentioned sort of the mutation, which is a tricky one because they danced around that a little bit with the sort of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. And they danced around it with that Inhuman series that they did on television. But they've clearly kind of written those off to the side now because they don't they aren't really strictly looped in. Although, you know, Black Bolt did appear in um, in Doctor Strange. But it'll be interesting to see how they sort of weave these things together in the comic books. The way that uh, Kamala gets her powers is not through a bangle that unlocks her abilities. It's that she is uh, out one night and she is exposed to the Terrigen gas, which anyone who's watched agents of shield or in humans knows is that's what they use to unlock the powers of people who have this specific um, sort of hidden ability, they use this sort of special gas, and it and it can trigger that that mutation and and sort of give you those powers. That's what happens to her in the comic books. And from that, in the comic books, instead of having her produce these sort of crystal versions of you know embiggening and all that stuff, she can actually do it herself. She can shape shift to make herself bigger or smaller. She can shape shift to look like other people. So they've modified that a little bit for the for the TV show and I guess for the movies because that would be crazy expensive I think but uh, and also you know again making making her go get really small is very Ant-Man making her get really big is very giant man making her change shape into other people is very mystique so they guess they're trying to do their own thing by giving her some sort of more unique powers here uh, but also I'm sure it has something to do with the television budget too it will be interesting to see how they tie it all together, the whole idea of the mutation, because we did see, uh, we mentioned it in a previous episode, that where they get the bangle, where Aisha, her great-grandmother, gets the bangle from that temple, we see uh, them taking it off of blue arm. Blue arms are Kree. Kree are mm-hmm. obviously uh, tied into uh, the Captain Marvel story, and obviously that ties into them seeing them switch places here at the end. But also... Um, the Kree are also tied into the Eternals stuff. And then we also saw on the floor of that chamber that they were in the insignia of the Ten Rings. So it seemed like this whole sort of phase of the MCU right now has been a little loose as far as where things are connected and how things are moving forward. But I think we're starting to see some threads that are piecing together if you've got a 
pair of keen eyes or spend a lot of time on Reddit, that you can start to see that some of these things are sort of weaving themselves together, that it's not as incongruous as, well, what does this, you know, martial arts centric uh, movie have to do with this movie about, you know, these people who have lived on Earth for thousands of years versus this, you know, teenage girl who lives in Jersey City. There does seem to be some threads that are starting to become evident now. Yeah, and I think there was more than one bangle, right? And that that flashback, and and they only had time to retrieve one. So there's maybe I'm mistaken. I think there's still one more bangle out there uh, that is lost somewhere. Yeah, I'm not sure how they're going to play that because uh, yes, in, in the comic books, the bangles would be similar to the original uh, male Captain Marvel's um, mega bands, right? The the things he wears on his wrists that that. Uh, are part of his abilities. So, yeah, again, I, I'm curious to see how they sort of thread this all together. And I, and then they didn't really, I mean, we know that it's it ex- explicitly said, you know, Cap, uh, Ms. Marvel will return in the Marvels. But I wonder if we'll see another season of this series that sort of focuses on her, you know, after that, or if there's there's more to be told, or if she's just going to become a movie character now, or sort of what what's next. Yeah. So, so looking through the series, I think I enjoyed this series. Um, I don't think I was compelled by it as much as as Moon Knight, but you know some of that is you know in a in an era where we have you know such generous quantity of of media. You know I'm a lot closer to Oscar Isaac in in age. I don't know his actual age. I'm sure I could look it up, but I I can guarantee you I'm much closer to his age than I am to Miss Marvel's age, right? Yeah. So th- this is a show that is. Um, kind of a different thing it's more teen centric it's it's definitely a you know the tiktok generation and 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 tiktok or instagram like plays a plot point here and in resolving things and so i'm not going to ding it for it not fitting me as a as an older man versus you know if i was from gen z or or post gen z yeah i enjoyed it i think it's something people should watch for for more than just trying to get all the the connections you know try it out um i definitely enjoyed the uh seeing the pakistani culture and mm-hmm. i i i learned and i felt and i, I told my son and another when we were watching this i'm like there are a lot of weird similarities between uh you know the the family members and i could think of many you know mexican-american family members and people that we've known in the community that feel like very similar yes some of the details are different right the, they're not Muslim. They're not Pakistani. But I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what aunts do. Yeah, that's kind of what uncles do, and et cetera, et cetera. Like yep. it felt very, very similar. Um, yeah, for that. So nice seeing the, the you know different cultures that we're not used to seeing, and especially since, in, at least in my case, I was able to connect to it through through my own culture. Yeah, and and I really liked that. There was a few moments in that final episode where. You know, you got that real, not just she's one of us, she's Pakistani-American, but she's one of us, she's part of our community. You know what I mean? Like, it really felt like the whole Jersey City, the, the sort of the mosaic of the city all kind of came behind, right? Which is, you know, it's it's nice. I mean, you know, obviously as a, you know, cis white middle-aged male or post-middle-aged male, no shortage of stories for people like me. It's I'm glad that there's more for, for everybody. I think that's great. Yeah, that was a cool part about this show, I think, was 
for me, it was like, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't have gone out of my way to watch the show, but I mean, it, it did have, it was interesting to sort of see those different perspectives on, on how they could play that and, and how the, how the, the people within that culture would react to something like a superhero being their daughter kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, uh, like, I, I know I gave the criticism that the mom does kind of like a, a pretty quick face turn. It, for me, the criticism is more about like the mom's character where she started in episode one versus where she is here in six and like how quickly she ended up sort of uh, buying into this lifestyle change for her daughter. But that's for her as an individual versus like this is a post Avengers post the snap and the blip, you know, craziness where, you know, somebody starts getting weird powers like, all right. I guess we got one at our high school then, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not like, oh, we've never seen supers. No, no, you've seen some crazy stuff. You've seen Sokovia lifted in the sky. You, you knew people who are now, you know, older than their, uh, than their, their younger brother because they came back five years later, you know, that sort of thing. So, sorry, they're older, their younger brothers are older than their older brothers sort of thing. Right. So yeah, like it, it's, it's a nutty world that, that you live in. So I, I take that into account, especially because it's very clear that, like the general populace knows about stuff like the the dad dressed up as the Hulk. Right. So it's very clear that it's not just uh, a slow news days thing. This is something that's probably covered pretty heavily in their, in their culture. Yeah. Cool. Did you guys finish up the the boys boys? season three? We did. I did. I did. did. So uh, (laughs) it was, it was a crazy season. It was a very uh, over the top, um, (laughs) <laughs> pretty nuts season what did you guys uh think of the whole thing and and uh how do you think it stocks up with the series overall it's better than season two yeah i thought i mean it does move things along a bit um yeah i mean it, it's it's interesting because you know homelander is such an interesting character yeah you know um overall so and, you know and how do you how do you you know how do you solve a problem for like that right and um yeah, without giving too many spoilers away, I think I think the way it ended was kind of interesting. It it, it does leave a lot of things ready for next year or two, right? Um, you know, and the big the the big plot point twist and in, in, I don't know, I guess maybe you saw that coming, but um, with the sun and Homelander, right? Yeah. Um, I forget what happens to um, Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy, they they ended uh, again. Oh, he goes spoiler alert, kids! But they, yeah, they end yeah. up putting the mask on him because they create the the chemical that can knock him out, and they put him back in the in the deep freeze because mm-hmm. killing him is not an option apparently. Yes, exactly. They, they'll bring him back out later. Um, what did you guys think of Jensen Eccles as as, as Soldier Boy? He's good. I, I don't know. Have we seen him in something before? Supernatural. Or? He was on Supernatural for what, like twelve oh, years, fourteen yeah. years. Okay. That's that's yeah, why he looked okay. familiar. I, I never really. Is he one of the brothers? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've never watched Supernatural. It, it hasn't been on my list, but I know that it has a pretty strong cult following. Hmm. Yeah, I, I enjoyed his. Uh, you know, he's 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 Captain America, right? Soldier yep. Boy, um, but just kind of like. What would this person be like if he wasn't the 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 golden boy, you know, Chris Evans, Steve Rogers kind of guy? Yeah. And uh, it it gets it gets pretty nuts with uh, with his character. 
Oh, I mean, the last couple episodes with the the, the constant smoking of the cannabis. Uh, I can't believe I can't believe you know this stuff is legal now. You know, I used to, I used to bust people's heads for doing this, and yeah. yeah, and then the thing with the old ladies, and oh, I mean, it just there was it just this whole season felt like it was like a dare, right? It felt like they just kept upping it and upping it and upping it. Yeah, I um, I also thought that it, it's kind of interesting how this is a meta sort of thing, but there are definitely people uh, on the interwebs, Reddit in particular, that are like heavily obsessed with like tiering systems for characters and trying to figure stuff out. And one of the weird criticisms I see is like, oh, well, like, you know, the makeup of the seven doesn't make sense. And I think this season made pretty clear, hopefully for those people that like, yeah, because it's just a big marketing ploy, right? Like, um, they they put characters on there, uh, they put uh, superheroes on there because they fulfill a certain marketing segment that they want, right? Why is Starlight on there? It's like, well, we found out Starlight's quite a bit more powerful than she sort of seemed from seasons one and two. And that kind of doesn't matter from Vought's standpoint because they're really interested in the attractive girl from Iowa who's like, yeah. Uh, Bible Belt kind of girl, right? And and they they, they had the 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 game uh, the the reality TV show where like the Hispanic guy was going to end up being the the next character until they said, oh no, actually we want the deep to come back as a you know a plot twist, yeah, and everything. So it's it's all sort of built around that, which makes a whole lot of things make to me more sense. And I also think we saw that um, when you have something like this setup. Homelander isn't really that good of a fighter. I mean, yes, he's powerful, but he leans a lot on that natural ability. Yep. Versus Maeve is, in my mind, like quite clearly the best fighter because she actually gives a shit and she trains, right? She, yep. she, she knows how to fight and she uh, can certainly take a punch. Even just physically, she might be pretty close to like a Homelander soldier boy, but I think she's a better fighter than probably most of those guys because she she does train she doesn't sit around you know get wasted have coitus with the gilfs you know she's actually spends her time uh like you would think a superhero would do because she's the 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 wonder woman equivalent yeah i i I think the only thing that I would knock it for the season was obviously there were some pretty transparent parallels between, you know, how they were telling the story of, oh, I don't know, say a person who was using lies to amplify their message and clearly fooling a public that was willing to hear anything as opposed to actually questioning what they're being told. And there was uh, some some pretty strong parallels to to perhaps U.S. politics being being put out there this season, and at times it was a smidge heavy-handed. But Tony Starr, Anthony Starr, is so freaking captivating. Like he is just so good in that role that he always gives you that one little just sort of glimmer of crazy in his, in his eyes so you're like oh that's right he's incredibly crazy mm-hmm. he's just so good at at, at, at making you without looking at the camera and winking he really gives you that like you know we're crazy here right? like it's crazy in real life and it's crazy here too kids yeah yeah and i don't remember um 
the stepfather's name, but I'm just going to call him QAnon stepfather, who's <laughs> heavily into uh, uh, worshiping yeah, Mother's uh, Milk. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's another one that kind of fell under the radar this year. We really had some good plot, plot and character development with some of the characters, but Mother's Milk's arc this season was really good. And so was Frenchie, and so was uh, uh, Kimiko, and like everybody kind of got some play in, in good ways. I, it, it really is a, a fair ensemble. It's not just all butcher, all you know, one thing or the other. It was lots of moments and good character stuff. Even the, that. I don't I can't remember the actor's name who plays the deep, but God, he's funny. He's so funny. The the sort of you know meek slash awkward slash disgusting things that he gets up to. You know, letting Homelander boss him around, letting his wife boss him around, letting the octopus boss him around. His <laughs> it's just so funny and just you know he's just so so earnestly stupid that it's just it's very funny it's so funny yeah i i thought this was a great season i i uh i enjoyed this from this series from day one and uh i honestly i do looking forward to more and more obviously they confirmed it's coming back for season four no-brainer but uh yeah i'll be curious to see how much more they give us and how much more they want to do and how much further they can push the envelope considering this season had some pretty spectacular sex drugs violence everything way over the top so it's probably the most over the top show on television right now yeah it's definitely pushing the boundaries on on some of that stuff i know that i read an article uh, i think around the time that one of the the deep episodes came out with the octopus and surprisingly (laughs) amazon's uh video studios or whatever they're called didn't actually have a standards and practices unit And apparently this was like one of the reasons why they put one together (laughs) to figure out how to handle this sort of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's got two different scenes involving an octopus in this season, both of which are like just cringing, laughing, bizarro, uh, just seen absolute episode scene stealers. Yeah. I don't imagine how you go into a meeting to discuss this topic. (laughs) <laughs> other than, than than going full Billy Butcher of like, oi, so me and my mates need to shoot this man here with creature from the briny deep. So who who's bummed though I need to tickle to get that rubble snap, eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You you would really like to be there for that first pass read by the standards of practice. Oh no, 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 no. You're gonna do what? Yeah. <laughs> well, watch list? Let's do the watch list. Mm-hmm. So for me, I've got a couple items here. Um, since I was already on Amazon watching The Boys, <laughs> realized that season two of Upload was out. Upload, if you don't recall, was the show that ponders what if you could have a digital afterlife where you get, you know, when you die, they, they upload your consciousness to uh, to the cloud with all of its, you know, uh, subscriptions, app store, loot box kind of uh, world applied to it. So this season carries on from from the prior season. Um, I don't want to talk too much about it, uh, spoiling, and <laughs> it does end with uh, a pretty good cliffhanger. So I'm personally hoping they'll we'll have a season three. It's uh, cool. it's something that like if you enjoyed um, 
uh, I know it's not a comedy, but if you enjoyed like trans, uh, transcendence and other movies that, uh, that wonder, you know, can, can you transfer your consciousness into the cloud? What does that really mean? How does stuff happen for society when people, you know, don't move on after they've died? Um, this is a, a pretty good, uh, you know, sort of satire and, and comedy about uh, kind of dark at times too about those sorts of topics or society at large. Nice. Other one I have is um, definitely on Paramount Plus in the states. I have no clue where this shows up in uh, in Canada and elsewhere, but that is South Park: The Streaming Wars Part Two. Don't remember if we talked about Part One, but uh, there is a Part Two now for these. Uh, it almost feels like South Park doesn't really have episodes anymore. They just kind of have events every once in a while <laughs> which is interesting but this one um continues on with the idea of um south park colorado having issues around water rights and and where that goes and this uh sequel or or second part is pretty uh pretty much a send-up of all of the crypto companies that had celebrities pushing stuff like like Matt Damon and Fortune Favors the Brave is is used quite a bit here. The the whole idea of having multiple streaming services in how that uh devalues uh the content and the artist while at the same time being a completely unsustainable model is I think pretty much telling us what the South Park creators are going through and how yeah. they seem to be actively fighting against things uh, like Paramount Plus and HBO Max and etc. even though their series are available there. Um, it's, it's South Park. It's been going on for nearly three decades now. You, you know what you're getting into. It's still pretty extreme. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've figured out that South Park, the, the mini-movies are pretty much paramount plus exclusives here in canada i haven't seen them anywhere else so yeah i think we still get south park on uh, on much here in canada which is our sort of uh, mtv equivalent but as far as the movie parts we don't seem to get those which is a bit of a drag but uh, i guess it's inevitable that they're going to want their their pieces i wonder if um you know because they're probably double the length of a regular episode i think i gotta look at the timings I wonder if they're going to batch it up into a sort of season and show it somewhere for you all. Because it just seems like just too much money to leave on the table to not have it available as, uh, you know, something you could watch. Because it, it moves plot along, as far as I can tell, from having seen the five or six regular episodes that came out on Comedy Central and then these exclusives on Paramount+. Plus. It's not like they're just these weird side stories. They they actually do move some plot along. So I'm hoping you all don't miss out on that permanently and that it's just a timed exclusivity before they decide to cross-promote elsewhere. Yeah, I'll be curious. I, it, I guess it depends on what their ultimate goal is. If the goal is to shift Canadians' user habits to subscribing, then I think they got to keep that content there. I think they gotta they got to try and convert those uh you know did do, do we gotta start doing the jaime lopez maneuver where we have the uh you know get it for a month watch all the south park and then cancel it again yeah yeah cool all right mine's uh straightforward i just got better call saul um the just started up last this week i guess um the last six, six episodes of um the series and of course this dovetails into um um breaking bad breaking bad 
and uh, so yeah, it's interesting. They they uh, they, um, they resolved a couple of plot lines uh, right away, uh, which was really surprising, um, surprising and, and interesting. But uh, yeah, so it's kind of you know where's you know where's Gus Spring coming from, and where's you know Donald Goodman coming from, and what happens to Donald Goodman's wife, and uh, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see. Five more shows to go. So definitely, definitely check that one out. Yeah, I still have to catch up. I'm I haven't watched anything this season yet, so Yeah, it's um it's another example of a show that should have the prequel problem, but it doesn't suffer from it weirdly. Like this yeah. you know, most recent episode is like, okay, I guess some stuff needs to happen here. Spoilers, I'm gonna assume some characters make into breaking bad unless there's like some timey wimey multiverse stuff <laughs> you know, that they bring out in left field. Um, I'm pretty sure I know that these characters continue on to Breaking Bad, and so you would think it would lose tension, but it it just really doesn't. It, they've they've managed to put the tension into how do we end up where we end up, even though we yeah. know that we're going to get there eventually. But I think that's a lesson about a really planning it through. I mean, having the continuity between Vince Gilligan doing the the original series plus this series having the same actors come back and be familiar with their characters and then introducing some new characters that we really deeply invest in, uh, like Kim, it, it, it's kind of a lesson in how to do a prequel right and not, you know, get, get caught in your own traps. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, just for, you know, past few seasons of better call Saul to have uh, Nacho, and Lalo, just random throwaway names, seemingly random throwaway names from Saul Goodman's introduction to Jesse Pinkman and, and Walter White. Have them be fully fleshed out, well thought out, lovable, uh, enjoyable, at least characters is, is a pretty brilliant task to have. A pretty, pretty brilliant job to do. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good characters too, really good actors as well. Yeah, and that's, I think they can get away with a lot because even when you're like, huh, you're captivated because there's so many great performances in the series. Mm-hmm. I still, that maybe because it's airing now, maybe it's around for next year's Emmys, but I I do not understand how uh, the, the actress who plays Kim has not been nominated for an Emmy yet. She's incredible. She's absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait till you see her in the uh, Raya Seahorn. That's what it's called. Um, yeah. yeah, she's, she's so good. She's so flipping good in that series. Yeah. So I have a bunch of stuff, which I will run through very quickly because I know Tim's concerned about uh, the length of this list. But (laughs) this was just all the stuff that's coming up in uh, the next little while. So I I think we, since we don't really have anything ongoing now, the only thing that's sort of ongoing right now is uh, is Westworld. So I I think we can uh, give ourselves a well-earned little little summer break here. But uh, it's it's just there's there's so much good content coming over the next little while. So uh, uh, July twenty. 29th, Paper Girls is coming to Prime. Paper Girls is based on a uh, Brian K. Vaughn uh, comic book series. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn, of course, Why the Last Man was was also one of his stories. He also was a writer on Lost for a long time. Uh, I'll be curious to see how that adaptation goes. It was a good book, so I'll be curious to see how that goes. Uh, August 5th, The Sandman coming to Netflix. That's one I think that a bunch of people have a, an asterisk next to. It's 
one of those things that everyone has always wanted to do as a live action thing. Um, so yeah, definitely want to see how that turns out. The little mini show, uh, August 10th, I Am Groot coming to Disney Plus. I think it's going to be a little series of shorts, but seems like a fun premise. Uh, the new Walking Dead series, Tales of the Walking Dead, is coming on August 14th on AMC. Uh, the next Marvel series, we don't have to wait too long. It's She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, coming on August the 17th on Disney+. Plus. Uh, then, of course, back to the Game of Thrones worlds with House of the Dragon on August 21st on HBO. And then we finally get our next Trek thing, which is tra- uh, Star Trek Lower Decks on August 25th. That's Paramount Plus in the States or Crave or CTV Sci-Fi here in Canada. And then, uh, yeah, less than a week after that, Andor, the next Star Wars series, is on uh, August 31st on Disney+. And then another big, huge shoe dropping on uh, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power on September 2nd. So, yeah, it just seems like the nerds rule the earth right now because there's so much mainstream sci-fi fantasy content coming and. I, I, you know, there are no such thing as obviously seasons anymore. It's not like shows debut in September and and end in April like they used to. But man, there's a lot of good content. I mean, The Sandman, She-Hulk, House of the Dragon, Andor, and Lord of the Rings. Those are five like heavy hitting series, all dropping within a month of each other, and you know, during the summertime when people are busy outside doing stuff. So I'm, I'll be really curious to see how these things are all received and taken in. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, we, we our cup runneth over in awesome sci-fi nerdiness. It's definitely a lot. Um, and, and some of the stuff is getting pretty, pretty big money. I, I know we had talked about at some point, the Rings of Power is getting like a few hundred million dollars of, of budget from Amazon. So... Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to go down as the most expensive series ever made, like produced, cost per episode. Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you, where do they find you? I'm always on Instagram and Twitter as at JPK News. And Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter as at Devin the Hair. All right. My name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. It's over. End of the season. 51 episodes. Yeah, that's crazy. I can't believe we did 51 episodes. In a row?
That's what happens when they actually yeah. start stacking the track. That's what happens. We survived. We did. It's it's crazy to think, though. I mean, to go, yeah. I mean, they're really, they're taking, like, even between Trek series, they're only taking six weeks off, right? That's that's, that's the only gap that they're taking so far. We've, we've had a, a, at least one new Trek episode almost every single week since, uh, since last fall, mm-hmm. last summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, they... They could have honestly stretched it out even slightly further. We we had occasions where, hmm, we got a finale and a premiere the same day. This this is challenging where mm-hmm. you would think they would have just moved it one week and not had them back to back, but have them, you know, contiguous. Um I don't I don't know how they make those decisions. If got a little bit of a gap here, it would be a smaller gap and maybe they want to get stuff done by some certain time, you know. Like, who knows? but it it um it points to the the challenge we as viewers will have going forward of like for me uh, i don't currently have apple tv plus i'm like oh man there's just like burgeoning set of content over there (laughs) and you decide when to jump back on that train and um i'm counting down the days or not the days the months until okay my el cheapo uh hulu dollar a month uh, Black Friday special <laughs> ends in like October, November, because it was like a 12 month deal. Um, and I know American Thanksgiving is in November. So, you know, come Thanksgiving, it's definitely uh, going off uh, in our household and something else is taking its place. Yeah, I'll be, uh, that'll be interesting. So do you have do you still have HBO now? Still have HBO. Um, we should be watching Westworld. Um, we ended up watching that Dan Michael Che season two. Oh, nice. Um, and, uh, we, we watched John Oliver a lot. Yep. Um, we technically wouldn't need to have it, but, uh, we've kind of just been lazy on it. Like, uh, we're, we're going to get into West world. And then, it, you know, things happen and we just haven't caught up. So we'll, we'll probably end up binging and, and catching up on stuff. Well, and that'll dovetail into, has the dragon too, right? Just when you're like, I, oh, I, I'm all, I'm wrapping up Westworld, then you're like, oh, damn it! I was kind of thinking not to mention to my significant other until like, oh, should I cancel HBO? Oh, wait, did you? Oh, wait a minute, my calendar here says that Game of Thrones has started. Maybe we should give that a try and see if we go one more month. You know, I've gone. It would have made more sense to have the conversation like uh, last month, I think, when we finished up stuff. Um, yeah. You know, we just kind of cruising through a couple months of uh, you know easy money for HBO. So kudos to them. <laughs> yeah, <that. laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing. If you you look down the list we just talked about, it it's everything, right? Like, uh, Paper Girls is on Prime, and Lord of the Rings is on Prime. So that's two on Prime. Uh, the I Am Groot, She Hulk, and Andor are all on Disney Plus. The, you mentioned the South mm-hmm. Park and the Star Trek are on Paramount. The House of the Dragons on HBO. The Walking Dead and Better Call Saul are on AMC. So you, you gotta you gotta catch them all. And then yeah, same as on Netflix. So yeah, you, you gotta kind of have everything, or you gotta dole them out in chunks, right? So I, that's the one thing I think. Uh, so Sandman, as far as I know, Sandman being on Netflix, I guess they're dropping the entire shebang all at once. I haven't heard anything about them doing their distribution differently because that they obviously they do the entire season drop as opposed to uh you know episode by episode week by week so that'll be an interesting one too because 
it could be quite the buzz, but in, in typical Netflix fashion, if they drop them all at once, it'll be a big buzz for about a week, and then it'll drop off the face of the earth again. Yeah, we, for the very first time, have started having serious conversations, serious conversations in our household about um, dropping Netflix for a little bit until the next big thing comes. I, I dug my heels in a little bit and said, well, I kind of don't want to drop it now because I want to finish Umbrella Academy and we're yeah. about halfway through the, the season, uh, the third season. So we'll keep it on for at least a little bit, but we might very well drop it for a month or two and switch on something else. Maybe Apple TV Plus, or maybe we'll just focus on HBO or who knows? I got to look at the schedule and figure out uh, what we're going to do. That's that's a big sea change because we've, <laughs> we've long joked on this show, right? That like, I assume you have Netflix the same way I assume you have electricity and indoor plumbing right i mean yeah, not everybody exactly. does but like so many people do that i interact with that i just kind of take it for granted yeah yeah no it really is it became so ubiquitous it was everybody had it and everybody considered it an essential but especially now given the cost of it and the cost of everything else uh, I wonder. I wonder. I, I I did see a piece. I I must admit, I, it's been a busy stretch. Obviously, I was traveling and everything, but I did see a headline that I did not have a chance to go back and read the article, which was that uh, there is going to be a commercial enhanced platform for uh, for Netflix, a tier for Netflix, just like there is for Hulu, where they were going to add in ads and lower the price. So I'll be curious to see what the what the deal is with that one, as far as the cost and the. Uh, you know how enticing they will make that yeah and it's definitely a legit gonna happen thing because they just selected um microsoft as the vendor for the ad system yeah yeah i don't know you you watch uh, obviously with you know paramount and and hulu you you get the commercial versions how much better worse or or otherwise is it it um it can be a little frustrating when you know i might watch something on uh let's say Disney Plus or you know current Netflix and just watch it straight through. Nothing is interrupting, and um, I, and maybe it just depends on my mood. Where if I'm kind of wanting to multitask, and I try very hard not to multitask during shows, it's like oh, there's a little breather there. There's two minutes where I can check my phone for something, <laughs> answer whatever dumb social media thing I'm doing, or Slack, you know, at work or whatever. Um, stuff. It's sometimes nice to have that or like, oh, uh, I gotta go use the restroom. I don't even have to pause it. I just let it run and do its <laughs> thing. It kind of like, you know, old school, uh, traditional over-the-air television. It's, so it's not bad, um, but it's definitely less than ideal. Like, I think it should be significantly cheaper to have ads because I do think it is a, a degraded experience. Um, yeah. With that said, I have gotten kind of lucky over, unless this is like some weird strategic thing, I've gotten kind of lucky with Paramount Plus and Hulu, where for whatever reason, they've like not shown me ads for about a week Oh, on anything I watch. I'm like, oh, I'm a little afraid to pause this because whatever screwed <laughs> up the ad system might, might you know, fix itself if I accidentally touch this remote. So... I guess I'm watching this episode straight through without using the restroom or getting a snack or anything. <laughs> I don't know what causes that, but I was like, okay, here's the scene. I'm pretty sure, you know, the dun 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 with Pike happened. Uh, this is where the commercial. Oh, no commercial. No, com okay, continue on. <laughs> so, 
It happens. Yeah. It happens. Yeah, it's uh, the only thing that I watch regularly on traditional television anymore is live sports. And live sports, you know, you know, if you get a, a commercial break, you're like, okay, they're going to be off for, yeah, two, two and a half minutes. Or if it's a halftime or an intermission or something like that, you've got a little extra time. But uh, yeah, it is, it's, it is sort of strangely nostalgic now where you're like, oh, I can, I can go get a drink and come back and I won't have missed anything. You know, it's, it's weird. It's a weird thing. Yeah. And you get um, you get in kind of a weird spot where my uh, significant other would be like, can we skip this? I'm like, no, we can't. I'm on real time. <laughs> like, yeah. This is I can't skip these commercials. This is this is part of the viewing experience uh, for this, you know, um, in this case, YouTube TV. But just think of it as as cable TV over the Internet. Um, like, sometimes we can skip through those because we started the episode late. Remember how we got, you know, done walking the dog like 10 minutes after the hour. It's like, well, we're starting to catch up to real time. And we did. Yep. So yep. we can't go fast anymore. Yep. I've done that too. Same thing where I'll pause something that's on, uh, on, you know, a sporting event. I'll think, Oh, I'm not going to get back. I have to go upstairs and, you know, do something to take longer than, than the two minutes. And then, yeah, I'll come back and then I'll flash. I'll watch the little bit. I'll be like, Oh, I now I can skip the commercials. And you end up catching up really fast. You're like, damn it. I really like this. Yeah. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.